I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, season two, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's Friday, which means it's time for unsportsmanlike conduct with your hosts, Adam Hill and Ed Green. Hey, welcome in to Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation. This podcast is brought to you by the Las Vegas View Journal, presented by Blue Wire. We're your hosts, Ed Green and Adam Hill. We're here each week to give you our thoughts on the Las Vegas Raiders before entering into the world of news and topics we tend to find interesting. Here we go. Uh, Adam, listen, I think... Uh, the Raiders' angle of this this week, I want to talk about this. You and I talked about this offline. We talked about it at the Golden Knights uh, game the other night. There will be no Game 7. Eliminated Montreal tonight. Same old problems. Uh, but when Carl Nassib uh, came out the other day, he's the first NFL active player to come out as gay. Uh, you and I have talked about kind of the impact he's going to make. I want to take uh, the listeners through your thoughts on that because it kind of happened and we were all in kind of um, writing mode that we were to react to it. But Take me through uh, your thoughts when this happened and what were some of the first things that came to your mind? I mean, so many things come to your mind, right? And there, there's so many different layers and aspects to it. And the first one being, you know, something that, that Carl Nassim said, and I, I've seen a lot of people, you know, say this and respond this way. But like the why is this a story aspect of this, I think, is the biggest part to me. Um, you know, Carl Nassim said and the NFL statement said and, and a lot of people said, that you're looking forward to a day where it's not a story. Right. And I think that's that's like the important part of this, that like if you want to come out and say, why is this a story? Why are you writing about it? Why do I care? You don't write when a guy says he's he's you know heterosexual. Like, okay, all those right. things are fine, but like this has never happened before. And and we do know that there is a problem. As much progress as we've made, and, and I have you know, I I salute the amount of progress we've made and and I um I think we have, and it's important to acknowledge that we've made progress as a society. Like there, we, we are still, you know, fighting that you know, elements that, that doesn't feel comfortable and that, um, that feels, you know, threatened or afraid or scared or nervous or however you want to, you know, c- categorize it. Like there are still people out there that, that struggle with, with making this announcement and making it public and, and being open about it. And so, to have an NFL player, an active NFL player, because yeah, we've had players come out after their careers over and um, and talk about it, uh, but to have an active NFL player come out and say, you know, yeah, I, I am gay and and I'm you know, you know, I want to talk about it and be open about it and and I want to you know share my feelings and my truth about it, like it, it it can help people and I think that's big and to those that say because I feel like those that are saying you shouldn't write about this or you shouldn't talk about it. It's not a story. What they're really saying is I'm not comfortable with it. Um, yeah. and, and that, you know, that helps spur those conversations. I would hope uh, to have the talk. And, you know, the, the fact that uh, so many players, not so many, but there, there have been a number of players after their careers over that felt comfortable enough to say it, but never an active player tells you all you need to know. That's why it is a story. Well, it's a story. Yeah. I also think, and I wrote, and I also think this is, a, I do, I think it's a story based on the stereotypes, whether they're true or not, and I think there's still some truth throughout the league in them, of this sport and having an active gay player. Uh, I'm not saying that's that's good. I'm just saying that 
you know, the, you've been in many NFL locker rooms, the, the macho, um, alpha male taught from very young age, you have to be tougher, you know, only tough survive all the kind of stereotypes that go along with football from like pop Warner all the way up through the NFL. I do think this is why this is a story. Now, I, I, as I wrote, I think the Raiders are the, by far the best organization for him. They've been the most inclusive uh, going back through their history. Um, doesn't mean everyone in the locker room is going to accept this. We don't know what's going to happen there yet, but it is the NFL. And I think there is a reason. And you said, I think there's a reason that, you know, we know there've been gay players before. Obviously the statistics prove out there, they're gay player, more gay players in Colorado now, in the league right now. But the reason I think they haven't come out is the fear of what that locker room at the NFL level would react to them and how they would react. And I think we're both hoping it's a positive experience for Carl, Carl Nassib. I don't think either of us can say for sure it will be. We don't no. know. Um, but I think the league, I think the sport has a lot to do with it. I really do. And I think, I, I hope some of those stereotypes have been crushed, but I'm also not naive enough to think that they all have been crushed and there still won't be a backlash. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And statistics say, you, I mean, you said statistically there's more gay players in the league that haven't come out. Statistically, there's more gay players on the Raiders that haven't come out. Sure, sure. Like, I mean, th- that that's what we're dealing with. Like, the to to think that no active player had ever, you know, been gay before is just, it's naive and, and you know, just not realistic. It's not based in reality. It's just, you know, he is the first one brave enough. And, and I know, you know, Michael Sam, we've, we've talked about uh, before, but he was a guy that was going to be drafted, was a fringe prospect at best. Um, this right. is somebody who's an active player, who's been on a roster, who's played for several years. Um, if you want to, you know, what are the age old arguments that are there, you know, uh, distraction to the team? Well, you know, Carl Nassau has been several different teams, several different locker rooms. He's been who he is for his whole career. I will promise you, other players knew about it sure. and, and knew him. And and has he been a distraction? I, I don't think so. We've never heard that before. No, and never it's never been discussed before. So a, a lot of those things are, are kind of being disproven. And I think, you know, the more we see this happen, the more that it will be disproven. And I, I, I think I don't, and I think you had this conversation with, with uh, some people. I don't, I might've been off the record, so I don't want to give it away, but you know, there's people that said, um, I don't, I don't feel comfortable calling him courageous. It was that, or or being proud. Well, was, also asked some people in the organization, "Are you proud of him?" And they did not say it in a negative way. They said, "Well, pride is a wrong thing because why would I be proud of him when this is who he is and we respect it and he should be who he is?" I mean, you know, I, I'm proud of my son if he gets straight A's. I get that, but you know, if if one of my children came and you know and said came out as gay. I mean, I I love them just as much, but proud of them. I mean, that's who they are, and I think that's what this person in the organization means. Like, no, he goes to say you're proud of them sort of makes it different, and that's what you don't want it to be. You don't want it to be like, oh, it's different, even though it is. Right, and I, and I think that's fair. And I, like, you know, I along with you know being supportive of him and hoping that he gets a lot of support and there's no backlash because there shouldn't be. Like, this is this should just be a normal thing. Like you said, it shouldn't even be a story. And hopefully we get to a point where it's not, but it is, it is because of where we are. Um, Like along with that, like I, I hope people feel more comfortable just talking about it. Like you, you, when you, cause when you discuss it, you do choose your words carefully. And that's kind of what I was getting out of. You don't want to say proud of somebody because he's just being who he is. And if you say proud, you're almost saying like, 
you know, you're pr- if you're saying you're proud of somebody, you're saying that there's something they could do about it or change about it. Sure. Um, is he being courageous? Like, yeah, I think it's courageous, but I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm comfortable saying that because I, I, I think you're just being, being who you are shouldn't take courage. Like, it's just, it's weird to, to kind of process the words and the language uh, that, that go with this. But at, at the same time, like it does take courage. Absolutely. It does. Well, and that's why I wrote, I thought it'd take courage for where, the world in which he exists. I just think it takes, I think, I think it takes courage because it's never happened before. Right. I mean, had there been 10 or 12 or 15 other active players who have come out over the years who were gay, we knew about Michael Sam. He never was an active player though, got cut before that happened. Then I don't know if you say it's courageous, but when you're the first one to do something in a really macho world, where again, you're taught at a very young age, you have to be the toughest and you have to be this and that. I think there was some level of courage to what he did. Um, but I think now he wants to go into that locker room training camp opens like what the 27th, 28th when they report and wants it to be completely normal. I think we both hope for him that it is, but I don't think either of us can sit here and say it will be. We, we don't know. I mean, you know, he got a lot of, he got some teammates on Twitter reacting very positively. Uh, Derek Carr the next day came out with statements that he talked to him, that he loved them. They want to win a Super Bowl together. Um, I thought it was important for Derek Carr to make some sort of statement. He's a leader of that team. Um, but again, not everyone said anything and maybe it'll be very behind the scenes, you know, feelings or whatever that is. But he's, you know, when he shows up here, I think in July, there'll be some, there'll be some nerves on his end as well as to how he's, he's treated and accepted. I, I think so. But I also feel like, I don't know. Cause we don't know how many people knew. True. That, that's a good point. It may not change anything because I, I, I firmly believe and I, you know, I can speak, you know, it, it's hard to to go inside their minds and and right. you know, know where everybody's coming from. But you know, I I have been around locker rooms where, um, you know, it was known and it was normal and it was fine and nobody had an issue with it. But then when it became public, right, it did create a different dynamic because now you've got the outside pressures where it's like, hey, it's no big deal to us. That's just our you know our teammate. Right, and then the right. outside pressure coming. You're like, okay, now this Dutch kid now you got to answer questions all the time, and all the all those other things. So, um, it, it is you know, it's something that I think they'll they'll have to deal with, and and hopefully it'll be done by you know training camp, and after that it's just normalcy. Uh, it's just hey, how how did you play today? Not uh, right. how you know how did you play today, Mister Gay Guy? Like, and yeah. and yeah. and you know that that's the hope. The hope is that this can do it. And by the way, Carl Nassib by doing it. The hope is that anybody else that ever feels like they want to make this public, because it's it's on it's on everybody themselves to make the determination when they want to say that, if they ever want to say that, um, and come out publicly with it. But you would hope that you know the second guy takes a lot less, and the third guy takes a lot less, and by you know hopefully I would say hopefully by the second guy, but hopefully by the fourth guy, it's not an issue anymore. It's just okay, cool. We're moving on. No big deal. And that, that's how it should be with Carl Nassa, but it's not because he is the first. And when you're the first to do anything, um, this is going to happen. But again, to the, to the people that are like, why is this a story? Like, you know why it's a story. It just is. It's the first. And I think that's your way of saying, I don't want to talk about this, but um, it, it should be talked about because it is progress. And hopefully we are getting to the stage where it's not important. And, and I'm sure another thing people are saying is, well, all I care about, and I got this on Twitter. People you know, sent it to me. All I care about is how it affects the team. Well, it, it doesn't or it shouldn't. It shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, it, it should. Shouldn't. I, I was happy with the next day within 24 hours on um, 
uh, Fanatics' jersey was number one for, for really for just one reason. I thought it was, I did think it was interesting. I wasn't very surprised. I really wasn't. I think, you know, him coming out really made a special impact on a lot of people that either haven't come out or have come out. And, you know, they're proud. Uh, they are proud as living in, you know, living in these other gay men or women for him to come out and do this. But I'll say this, you know, when I saw that he was number one on the jersey, so I was like, you know what? Someone made a point the day before I thought was really the best point. The amount of people he's going to help, he'll never know. And he won't know most of them. Uh, he just won't. And, and I think a lot of people bought those jerseys that he'll never know their names. He'll never know how old they are. He'll never know if it's a 10-year-old kid, a 40-year-old man, a 40-year-old woman, a, a, a young girl. And that's what I thought was really cool about it because he'll, he'll never really probably know the impact he's had. But when I saw those jersey sales, that came to my mind. I wanted to know what you thought about that, where that's really an impact. And I think a lot of it is those people who really haven't come out or you know, are thinking about coming out that wanted his jersey because he made that statement that, you know, let's be honest, he's never going to know those people. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think there there definitely is uh, an element uh, of that to it, which I think will be cool for him. And I'm sure he'll see jerseys all around the country when he's, you know, going to play somewhere. And um, he can he can be appreciative of the impact he had. But I think the, the impact is something that you'll never really know. Um, it's and, and think about the announcement that he made wasn't just, you know, the announcement. It wasn't just, hey, I'm, I'm out now. It was, you know, I'm going to, this is going to come along with the donation uh, to a, a very important charity that, um, you know, works toward, you know, breaking the stigma and also, uh, you know, helps fight uh, suicide in the uh, homosexual community because it is a massive problem. And if, it, if, if we were at a point in society where this wasn't a story and didn't matter, then that charity wouldn't have to exist. Right, right, right. So, so the fact that the suicide rates are so high uh, in the LGBTQ community, um, it's you know, it, it's 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 troubling. And you know, if he can, it's it's so cliche, and I I just I hate saying it, but it really is true. Like, if he can impact one life, yes, like that, and, and I think he's going to impact far more than one life. But just just for because again, I I keep going back to with the people that are like criticizing us for like making this a story or why is this a story? I know it's because they just don't want to talk about it. And, sure. you know, they, they want to keep things, um, you know, hidden and I don't want, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to have to deal with this. Well, you deal with it because it is part of society. And just think about that. If he, if he helped one person, wouldn't it be worth it for that to be a story? I, I would say absolutely a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, season two, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And, um, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to have a lot of kids um, and the money he's given, and I think it's going to make a great impact. Um, okay, on a not-so, let's say, publicized or um, in-depth, serious matter, I've got one question, one question only for you. Why is Mark Davis driving around in a Matchbox car? First of all, not a Matchbox car. <laughs> Are you not a Mini Cooper guy? No, but when my wife heard this, she thought it was the great – well, first of all, she thought it was pretty – 
typical Mark Davis, which is great. Um, uh, she thought it was perfect. But I did not know much about the Mini Coupe until I saw the pictures of the accident. Yeah, it's a pretty sick car, dude. I, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I think it's, a, I think Mini it's a good move by him. On you, eighteen grand. Well, how much could one of those cost? <laughs> well, he's a very frugal guy. Now well, we know, we've seen the haircut, we've seen the jeans and the white shirts. We get that part. Of it. Not just that. You know, the Mini Cooper is a big upgrade from his previous car, right? He had a van. Yeah, a 97, I think it was a caravan, but actually somebody was saying caravan. I think it was actually more of like a, a conversion van, like a, you know, like the kind of van you would like live in the beach in. Oh, no. <laughs> I think it was one of those. Oh. So, so the Mini Cooper is a big upgrade. Now, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. It's all fun, and we like to joke about this, but like you and I have both seen uh, Mark Davis plenty. Yes. He's not, he's not usually driving himself around. No, he usually has a driver in a very nice, let's say, uh, like an Escalade type, right. a nice SUV. Yeah, so it, it, his daily routine, I don't think, involves driving himself around in his uh, his Mini Cooper, but it's cool that he does it. And uh, I like, I'm just going to go out on a limb and speculate. I'm pretty sure uh, that he was he was on his way over to PF Chang's. That's his spot. I, I wanted so much, so much to because he. It seems like it happened in like a little strip mall. I wanted so much like him on the way to like Savers or the dollar or the 99 cent store. It's not, it's not a strip. I do you not know where this is. I have no idea where this is. Oh, it's first of all, it's my hood. So I, I should know. Uh, that's it's at town square. So I know we have a lot of listeners outside the market here, but town square. yeah, town square, really nice outdoor shopping area. Uh, very close to the stadium, actually. Um, just right around the corner from Allegiant Stadium, just a little bit south of Mandalay Bay on the Strip. Uh, for those that are out of town that that don't know, but yeah, it's a it's a really cool little uh, little neighborhood. Um, I know far for you up in the northwest part of town, Ed. Yeah, I would I wouldn't be down there very often. I'm not rich. Ta- <laughs> Stop it. First of all, yeah, I'm, not, ta- I'm not living by Mark Davis like you. Uh, well, I I was actually so. I was not there. I did not see uh, Mark's accident. So. See, oh, by the way, I'm going to cut you off. The biggest upset of this entire story, not, not the biggest upset isn't even that he drives a, a coupe. Like, like I think we both know him enough to where we weren't shocked at that. The biggest upset by far is someone beat you to the pitchers to sell the TMZ. Well, so that's, the, that's what I was going to get at. So it happened in Town Square yesterday, which is Wednesday. Ed, I had dinner in Town Square on Wednesday. <laughs> I was there. Oh, that was on the other side because where he was, where he was, if you look at the pictures in the background, he was over by the TJ Maxx in Town Square. Oh. I don't think that's where he's going. I think he was going to PF Chang's. That's his. Uh, that's his favorite restaurant. But uh, I was on the other side of Town Square for. Uh, it was my birthday, and we we went out to dinner yesterday. Right, happy birthday! So uh, right. so yeah, we were on the other side of Town Square with a a very lovely dinner, uh, but not over by uh by PF Chang's and uh, cool. and TJ Maxx. Did we decipher whose fault the accident was? Well, here's the thing. You you are not in Town Square often, as you said, so you don't know. Uh, a lot of roundabouts and a lot of very weird traffic patterns there. I saw one of his quotes where he said, one of those roundabout things. And at that point, I'm like, uh, it might have been his fault. Yeah, he, he doesn't understand the, what the roundabout, <laughs> how it works. Uh, that makes sense. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think next time we talk to him, I think he he kind of sounds sick of talking about this already. Uh, but we'll we'll follow up on this. We'll find out exactly what happened. I'm going to say you're probably right. Once you start saying like I don't know those roundabout yeah, things, yeah, that puts probably it out. you probably don't understand the right of way and uh, the procedures of the roundabout. Uh, but it is 
it is kind of a messy place to drive. There's a lot of twists and turns and roundabouts, and uh, there's also uh, parking meters all over, so people are stopping and backing up, and um, then there's there's pedestrians everywhere because it's a it's a walking mall, but people drive through the middle of it. Would he, have had to drive, would he have had to drive? Is he still at the Westgate? Would he have had to drive that far? He might have been at the stadium. Oh, he might have been at Allegiant. Yeah, but he had to drive there. I just, I've always known him to have a driver. No, he's got a car. Really? We, we, we told this, God, I, I mean, I, I don't, I think it's fine. I think we've told the story on the podcast before that uh, he was having some, some work done at the house and he had a, he was trying to get the garage do- guy to come over to install the garage door. <laughs> and he he called me because he I don't think he had my name saved on this phone. And he called me and he's like, hey, are you my garage guy? I was like, no, Mark, it's, it's Adam from the RJ. He was like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so he does his like, – he's his own – he's not the typical – and I, I'm telling the story only to say he's not the typical no. multi, multimillionaire it, who doesn't Jerry do Jerry Jones things. is not rolling around Dallas in one of those coops. Believe me. He's not rolling around driving himself, and he's not doing his own garage door guy. Like, he's not no. calling the garage door guy. He's got people that do all those things yes, for him. Yes. Mark, Mark Davis is an everyday guy. That's that's why I tell this story, uh, because, you know, he, that's who he is. And that, that's why you wouldn't have – like, there's no – I don't think there's another NFL owner that you would have this story with. No. No. Um, look, you might not have any other owner in sports at any level who have, like, millions of dollars. I mean, right. he's, he's as everyday as you're going to find, I think, in any league, to tell you the truth. He flies southwest. Yeah. Uh, he drives his van. The story of, of his van that he, would, uh, that he would get in his van and drive down to Palm Springs, I think, where uh, his, his haircut lady was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he's everyday guy. Yeah, for sure, which is, which is very cool. So, I mean, it, it's funny to, to joke about it and be silly, but I, I think the fact that he is accessible and he's an everyday guy and he's got, you know – he kind of does the same things that we all do, has a restaurant that he wants to just go to all the time and can't figure out the roundabouts. He's one of us. Well, no, 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 I'd like to be one of those on the other side in terms of uh, 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 being able to uh, go through the roundabout and not worry about, uh, you know, having even if it's a crash, having to take care of the bill. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the uh, wife would like that. Uh, finally, are you still are you still like weird about weird birthdays that you don't like people saying happy birthday and all those tweets yesterday? No, I, don't, I, I mean, I, I don't. You were very weird in the past about like Facebook celebrations. No, no, I'm fine with like saying happy birthday to people or like, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't like announcing it in advance. Like, hey, don't forget, everybody. Wednesday is my birthday. Like, shut up. Nobody needs that. Uh, my issue has been I don't like, first of all, there's so many people now and, and this, God, I, I never do the old man shaking his fist at the sun, but I'll do it right now. Right. You know, there was a time, I think before I was an adult, but like when, you know, when you were just an adult, Ed, when you were, you know, you know, you're like 30, uh, there was, and there was no social media. Right. Right. Like you knew like three people's birthday, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I knew my families and like my immediate families. Right. And on their birthday, you would call them up because I wasn't texting yet. You would call them up. You'd be like, "Hey, happy birthday!" Or you'd go to their house and like, "Hey, happy birthday! What's going on?" Like, and that was cool because you only knew a couple of people, and you only have to do that. What I don't like is now with Facebook, your birthday pops up and it pops up on everybody's timeline, and then they they take, you know, three seconds to be like, "Oh, happy birthday," or even send you a nicer message like, "Hey, I haven't talked to you in a while. What's been going on? Here's what's going on." I like all those. You get those messages. That's cool. But now 
it, this is my same issue with presents, right? When you give people presents and now you got to give them a present. So if I get whatever it is, 150 people that say, hey, happy birthday. Now I am responsible for going through and typing out 150, hey, thanks a lot. And because they show up on everybody's feed, you can't just say the same thing. So now it's like, hey, thanks a lot, bro. Hey, thanks, sir. Oh, <laughs> thanks, buddy. Like you gotta now you've got to come up with different like greetings for everybody so it doesn't look like you're just cutting and pasting. So now yeah. every year on your birthday, you've got an assignment. <laughs> it's it's like absolutely homework? it's absolutely insane. Like homework? Yes, it's homework. So now, like, I just, I I just thank you to people. Why do you have to make things so complicated? Just say, hey, thanks, 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 thanks. I mean, they they just want to thanks back from you. And whatever you say to them, it's not affecting the other people who are saying happy birthday. They're not like, oh, look at Adam. He said the same thing to that guy as he did to me. Ed, are you saying that I overthink things? Yeah, just slightly. Like, if I said happy birthday, Adam, I don't have Facebook, so I just had to, like, text you yesterday. And then I tweeted, like, uh, a picture of you at Vince Lombardi's desk screaming at people. But... Um, if I said that, you said, thanks, Ed. And then I saw, like you said, thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Cassie. Thanks. Hi. Like, yeah. Okay. Good for him. I thought, well, why would I care what you're saying to other people? Okay. But now, as you're pointing that out, think about what you just said. Now I'm customizing every single thanks. Like how long am I supposed to spend? Oh, and you're, I'm, supposed, you're I'm, supposed to say thank you to whoever says happy birthday. That's polite. That, that's what I'm talking about. It should be, there should be like four people that know your birthday that say happy birthday to you. And then you can say thank you to them. And it's like a five minute transaction and we're good. Or so you're, even, you're even talk to them on the phone. You're, you're, you're more pissed off that people actually know your birthday. No, I don't care that they know it. And I'm fine with like, I tweeted about it. It's fine. I really just used it so I could throw out the free Britney hashtag, which is the important thing sure. uh, on Wednesday. No, but I, like I tweeted about it. It's fine. I don't care that people know it. it it's not, I'm not like a, insanely private person or anything it's fine no it's my birthday say happy birthday that's fine whatever if you see me happy birthday in person that's fine i say hey thanks have a great day whatever but it's it's this you barely know me i'm not talking about you i'm saying right. you I, I i am not kidding and i god i hope this person doesn't for some reason tune into this i'm not kidding that there is somebody i knew in college i have I don't think I've talked to her since every year she says a hey, happy birthday. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. But she only knows it's my birthday because Facebook tells her she wakes up in the morning. I, I do it every day. Every day I wake up and I get a Facebook alert whose birthdays it is that day. Right. But like this person, I, I don't know, when, I don't I know, know you. college who gives me a card every year and I haven't talked to her in 30 years. Ugh. So, <laughs> but I'm like, like I've thought about unfriending this person just cause I'm like, I, I don't, there's no connection there, whatever. Like, I don't need to talk to you. We don't need to know what you're doing. I don't need to know what you're, you know, what you made for dinner or whatever you're posting on your Facebook. Like, but now because Facebook tells you it's my birthday, you have to say happy birthday. And now I have to read this birthday message and say, Oh, happy birthday. How are you? Or, Hey, or, or excuse me, thanks. How are you? Or, Hey, what have you been up to? Like, now it's a forced conversation, but not, and it's not, it sounds obnoxious because that's one person. It takes 30 seconds. Multiply that by like 200. Okay. So let's, let's say it takes 30 seconds. Okay. It's 200 people. Do the math. That's over an hour and a half. Pour yourself a beer and say thank you to people. Why do you have to take so seriously? What if they, what if they, what if they give you a present? 
Oh, for God, I'd be furious. What if, they give you, what if they give you like a Starbucks card or something? Then you really got to say thank you. Your thank you has to be a lot more, Nate, thanks, John. I mean, you got you got to like really be personal at that point if you if people start giving you presents. Can I tell you this? I've, uh, I've, I've spent a lot of money on my, on my mom on presents over the years. And so she decided to, uh, to save up some money and, try, and buy me a very nice present yesterday. I immediately zelled her, zelled Venmo, however you want to uh, do your uh, online uh, banking. I immediately sent her the money for the gift. Why would you do that? I'm not, I'm not, this is, uh, this is not happening. Cause I'm not gonna, I'm not going to like, I don't like gifts. It's, it's just a task. It's, it's, it's like, okay, now I've got to get you a better gift for your, oh, this, your thing. This, this goes back to your weirdness where you just can't accept like a nice, good-natured move from somebody. I remember this. Like, we've talked about this forever. Like you don't want a gift because then you feel the pressure to get someone else a gift. And that is so weird. You can't just say, you know what? Someone did something nice for me. I'm going to thank them. Really cool. That's really cool. Them. You start thinking immediately. Your paranoia and your weirdness. You start thinking immediately about what then you have to get for that person. Yes. Which in reality, nine times out of ten, the person's like, I don't want anything from me. I'm just trying to be nice to you. That's oh, it's always it's always reciprocal. Or they or they have it over to you forever. Have it over you. Like oh, a $10, yeah. A $10 Starbucks card? Oh, oh, yeah. Trust me. Somebody gives, somebody, somebody gives me a Starbucks card. I'm giving, them, I'm giving them a card back because I don't want, you know, 15 years from now, uh, you know, somebody's having a conversation like, oh, yeah. oh, you, oh, you work with Adam? Yeah. I bought him a gift 10 years ago. Never bought me anything. I, I, don't, I don't want other people to have that conversation. I never want that to happen. Oh, God. I got to shut it, shut it down at the pass. I've heard this. I heard this story. It's so bizarre about you, and you don't want gifts from people, and you want to give them back, or you like you have to go out and get them something. It's so it's so weird inside. I never like if someone gives me a gift, I'm like, hey, thanks a lot. I'll take the gift. I'll take the gift card. Why do I need to give them something back? Yeah, but it's true. What do you mean? I, I mean, I'll take the gift. I don't give anything back. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I guess you don't have the. The, I guess you're not you're not out of your mind. Like, like, no, it's all I think about. I, I, I gladly accept a gift from someone without feeling that I have to run to the store and get them something. Not run to the store, but I'll, I'll say this: uh, you'll probably be able to figure out who this is. One of our coworkers' uh, dads dropped a gift off at my house today. Okay, I already know who it is. Yes. What's he doing over there? Well, he was in the neighborhood. I don't think it was like a birthday gift. I think it was he he had something that he was like, ah, you know, I think you'd like this. And he dropped it off at my house. Now Immediately. You get him something. I, I came in the house and I started looking online like, all right, what can I buy? Oh, God, Adam. You've got, you've lost your mind. And we, you and I both know that guy is not expecting anything in return. He's the nicest person I've ever met. The nicest guy in the world. There's no yes. way that he's expecting anything in return. No, but in my mind, like, I, I, I'm like, okay, now I have to. Like, I, I will not, like, I'll, I'll say I won't rest. No, like, I will be, like, paranoid about this until something is done. It's true out there. If you're listening, this is how he is. He's I'm completely mind with this stuff. I mean, it, you, you listen each week, and you probably think there's no one like that in this world. Let me tell you something. He's like that. Uh, well... I'll say happy birthday, and we'll end it that. I didn't give, give you a gift only because I knew you'd be worried about getting me something back, and I didn't want anything back. Thanks, uh, Ed. I appreciate it. But I do wish you a happy birthday. That's going to do it for our latest edition of Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation. This podcast has been brought to you by the Las Vegas Review-Journal and presented by Blue Wire. Remember now, there are new episodes of Vegas Nation every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to Vegas Nation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcasting app. You can also support this show by re- leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and find all our coverage at VegasNation.com. 
For Larry, the birthday boy, Adam, I'm Ed Graney. We'll talk to you next week. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. In partnership with the Mob Museum, I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, a true story about money. And so it was their piggy bank. They had the ability to get loans for whoever they wanted to get loans for. Crime. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. And the battle to control the strip. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. We were very angry and very upset, and we knew we had been double-crossed. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, Season 2, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by Pro Group Management. Additional sponsorship provided by El Cortez and the Golden Steer.